These tools are for you to use. These tools are for you to use. Welcome to This Is Your Afterlife, conversations with artists and activists about death and life. My name is Dave Marr. I'm a comedian. I live in Chicago. Eight years ago, I was in a coma. Then I woke up, and I have questions that I put on this podcast. And then I and I put the answers on it, too. Then the people who give the answers are the guests. And that's a podcast. There you go. Explained a podcast to you. My guest this week is Shira Talpas. Shira is a fellow. We went to college at the same time. She is a professor at Oberlin. Her official title here, I'm, I'm, I want to make sure I'm getting this right, Assistant Professor of Comparative Literature and Jewish Studies. She focuses on Hebrew and Arabic literatures with a focus on poetry and poetics. She has a book coming out, not right away, but in the next year, I believe, on the idea of the national poet in Israel and Palestine. That's very important to mention up top because we talk about Israel and Palestine stuff right up top. And I I don't know how, I mean, you know, a controversial thing is a controversial thing. I like to think that if you listen to this show, you're probably, you know, left-leaning at least. You have some idea of the idea of there being, you know, two equal sides to the story in in that area being a little bogus and are for Palestinian liberation. I hope that's the case. It's something I am still very much learning about, but I was stoked to talk to Shira about it. Shira is, uh, well, you know, she corrects me up top about being, you know, I, I like phrased to her like, oh, you're interested in this stuff, but you're not a Zionist. And, and I, you know, and she was like, why is that a but? And that is actually in the Patreon, the, the full conversation on the Patreon, which happens every episode. You get the full conversation. So you can go to patreon.com slash Dave Marr and hear that the extended interview. You've also got other bonus clips and fun audio things coming out. So there's plenty of great stuff for you. You can also have the knowledge that you are supporting an independent artist, which is what I am. Very proud of that. I do not do ads on this show. It is not my full-time job, but know that I uh I'm not I'm not flush and I and I would appreciate financial support. But in the absence of financial support, I, you know, I do my best with f- to support people financially, but I can't always, so I get it. You can tell people, though, if this show is good enough that you would tell some about it, someone about it, do that. Uh, tell them. I mean, I guess technically you would already be doing that, but just a reminder, uh, it, don't just file it away in your brain. Actually tell them. You can subscribe to the show, rate it, review it. I appreciate all those things. You can also check out the show notes for Shira's Twitter for my information on following me. And yeah, the pigeon level patrons are the ones who subscribe at the $15 a month level. Those people are Fred Fidoa, Susie Carroll, Katie Llewellyn, Kurt Chang, 
Shuba Singh, John Lee, and Debo. Thank you to all of them. Thank you for listening. And here is me and Shara. I grab your whip and take it back to Shatown. When I'm in Shatown, I treat it Yeah, it's I'm realizing like from talking to Jewish friends, just e- even the str- like people who are aware of like what's happening, who I think ultimately are would be on the side of Palestinian liberation or are making their way there that it's so that the Zionist stuff is just so deeply ingrained from when you're a kid that it's like, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, my, my indoctrination was evangelical Christian stuff. So it's like, you know, I was, I was listening to something the other day of a guy talking about his like cat dying and just talking about, uh, and it was it was very beautiful. It was like this very beautiful like hour long podcast about his like dying cat and uh, and he was you know his belief he was like obviously like because he was because the cat died on Good Friday was resurrected well he had, he like dug it up to bury it on Easter and so he was like comparing it to he dug it up well it sorry. <laughs> this is way too it's just such a side thing but he was uh it was it was under his um his porch so it was like he had to like pull up a board from his porch to be able to get the cat and bury the cat dude this is like an edgar Allan poe story you know that right like this is like it's like it's or maybe or maybe him burying the cat is anyway okay yeah no it's it's a lot sweeter the way that he tells it but but he but you know he talks about like the chaos of life and nothing means anything and I was like man I'm like so close to being this guy to like everything this guy said has resonated with me um, even the like the point of what he's saying that everything is chaos. Thus we have to make our own meaning. I'm down with the conclusion he draws, but just the everything is chaos stuff. Like I kind of just choose to believe in some sort of something because belief was ground into me like so deeply. And I've been able to scrape away a lot of the, the dreck from that, but it has created a default towards let's let things mean something. Do you know what I mean? But if, yeah, I mean, yes. And I'm actually curious about more than that, but, but I also wanted to backtrack and say, yeah. wait, if you grew up in an evangelical household, are you the Zionist? Like, are you like, are, were your, was, were they Zionist? It's so funny because literally my parents would never, uh, like, I don't know if my mom would even know what Zionist Okay, because I was about to be excited because I was going to say both our parents are still Zionists. If yours are still evangelical, mine are just there's just Zionists. Well, yeah. they they probably, um, I I I think they just don't think about it. But I think they probably have a much tamer version of that American evangelical hard on for Israel, where they're like. You know, oh, you know, we've read stories about God's chosen people. These are God's chosen people. You know. It, you know, the like, it at least has the right to exist in some form line. I bet they would agree with that on some level. Which, I mean, to be fair, uh, you know, sounds like a less intense version than like, let's get them all like arranged in this chessboard before we like light it on fire if they don't convert or whatever, whatever the yeah. like, whatever the like end times mm. narrative 
Yeah. I think they just don't think about like it, it, that's a very like depoliticized sure. area for them. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I was just curious about that. Um, okay. But so, but, but so like the, the sort of residual or the residue of like, like you, you want to believe. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's not a flat table. It's just tilted ever so slightly. So the ball always falls off in the direction of belief, but I'm curious about your Jewish middle school hell. Tell me what makes Jewish middle school, your personal hell. I like I just think like, first of all, like you begin with, it's just a recipe for disaster. You begin with like just middle school is hell, right? Like middle school is like, like the lowest point of existence. I think (laughs) (laughs) for all of us, I've just decided like, I just, we are at our just least attractive. We're entering. I mean, truly like we're entering, like we're entering puberty. Our bodies are just like, or, you know, just like, aha, let's like, let's see, let's see, you know, let's like, let's like do like a growth spurt for like, for the girls and they're going to tower over everyone. And at least I, I did. Um, and, uh, and just like, inside, you're just like a mess. You don't know what to do with your hair, your skin. I don't know. I still don't know, but like, it was way yeah. worse then. Yeah, right. Yeah. I couldn't pay anyone. My mom, my mom knew about any of this stuff. Right. My dad, no, nobody, nobody could help me. And so it was like, you know, you're already, you're already talking about just like, you know, you're coming in to like puberty, you're like starting to notice or starting to, there's some pressure to notice like, you know, uh, uh, whatever romantic partners. Um, I don't even know, whatever it is, there's some pressure for it. Um, and, uh, I think also you still are like pretty fucking dumb, right? Like mm-hmm. you're still like eat like the i don't know yeah even if you're like nerdy you still don't know what's going on in the world and you barely know what's going on in your own body like you just really it's just um you're just like in a condition of exile i think um it's not because you're not cute because you're not cute anymore it's like you're not like right, i don't know sorry right. i'm gonna think my daughter's cute no matter what like yeah, i don't of course, of course. Uh, she, and she is so um uh sorry i'm just being intense here but i think um but i think just like you're yeah i think you're I think you're just um, in this like liminal like phase that um, uh, just is so is painful, right? Uh, you're yeah. you're also becoming self-aware in a way that like at least I felt I was um, in a way that uh you know what <laughs> how awful to become self-aware right when everything's going to shit. Right when you have like the shittiest external version of a self. That's I I think so. I yeah, really, yeah. I think. I think the hormones too also there's some like there's some parallel you know shittiness inside um yeah yeah but uh i, I mean i think I, I think i was really like and i think uh i think i first got depressed when i was like in sixth grade like mm. i think um so my so i'd gone to one jewish jewish day school and it it went up to fifth grade and then there was a middle school and then when i shifted to the middle school all of a sudden there was like an influx of kids from other schools who all knew each other um and whom i didn't know and my parents were immigrants and they um didn't grow up with their parents and i think their parents slowly realized that my parents were like you know didn't abide their norms didn't know what the hell a play date was didn't want to carpool so would always try to come up with like 
situations where like they would get someone to like take me to the bar mitzvah and someone else to take me back so that they didn't have oh to go God. carpool. Yeah, no, they were they were kind of a stereotype. But um, but to be fair, like, yeah, they were they were also um, speaking of exilic conditions. They were also like socially exiled, I think, from sure. um, from like the American Jewish uh, uh, parents. And so, yeah, I found myself deeply, deeply uh, uh, uncool and pushed into a group with uh, like the larger group of students. Like they all kind of grew up together. Um, their parents knew each other. I don't know. They had some kind of politics in there, but I wasn't even, I had no idea who was cool or not cool within that hierarchy because I was so sure. uncool. And it was me and every pretty much like all of the immigrant students um, okay, okay. together in one group. Um, and so, yeah, it was, uh, I just remember like crying to my dad. Like I was like 11 years old and I just cried. Yeah. I cried on my dad's lap and my parents, why didn't they send me to a different school? Why was it so important to like, have what you know to implicate whatever well so how would how i guess this is where for you how did it being a jewish day school middle school make it worse like how would it have been different or like just how would it have been just slightly better by being a public middle school oh i mean i think the fact that like the fact that like i think it was more painful to be supposedly within an in-group right like supposedly with my, you know, my own people or within a community of people that I'm, you know, I have a connection with and, um, and yeah, to be treated, uh, to be treated like garbage, right? Like a double exile or whatever. And so right. I think, um, you know, I mean, I also like, I grew really, really, I became very like in middle school. Like I think I, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure if you asked like those kids, they would have said like, yeah, like she was awful. Like she was, she was, you know, she was a little B. Like she, uh, you know, she was like a little inner goth, just like, <laughs> just like thought she was smarter than everyone. Yeah, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm just, I'm sure it was reciprocal, but I just, I remember feeling, yeah, I remember feeling deeply hurt by it, and um, and I think part of it was that, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It, it definitely made me. It made me want to be more anonymous want to be in a larger group of people where everyone didn't know everyone's business, but also want to meet people who weren't Jewish because I didn't only want to know Jewish people. I didn't see uh, a total value in only, and only communicating with and connecting with and being disappointed by my own people. Let me be disappointed by other people for a change, you know? Sure. Um, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. I, I think, I think, you know, that plus, you know, it was just claustrophobic in a way that like, uh, I think, you know, I'm sure there's like a, an evangelical equivalent, right? Like, like, you know, what, what would, a uh, an evangelical small private school, middle school, why would that be worse than any other like public middle school or something like that? You know? Right. Well, it's especially, there's a, there's a very, pure irony to the a group of people for whom like one of their big things is like we're god's chosen people you know it, a, a, the it, the whole in groups thing is being chosen and you are within that group not chosen deeply yeah so <laughs> so very not chosen uh-huh yeah so 
what do you hope happens when you die? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I guess <laughs> I like I I I uh I don't I don't often stare into the face of that question. I think part of it is just because I'm so intellectually sure that like nothing happens that um I can't get myself to go on that thought experiment to just like what if, you know? Well, how did you get to that? How did you get to that a level of intellectual certainty? I'd like to thank my parents first for like fucking me up. No, I don't know. Like I, uh, I think that, uh, I think, um, how did I get there? I think I just never could take it seriously. Like I, I, I think existential dread came first and then I had to ask myself like, what am I? dreading and it's as you were talking like the fathoming the un, you know like not being able to fathom um and i think uh i think once you have existential dread you're sort of asking yourself okay I, what am i afraid of then i'm afraid of nothingness i'm afraid of uh the end of this yes um and uh and that's because i think there will be an end to this and mm. i don't uh I don't, um, I don't know. It's hard for me to, part of me does think like, oh, living forever, that, you know, that would be amazing. Uh, that would be, part of me does kind of get into those moments where I'm like, I, I try to, I, I sort of go into denial or I, I occasionally have like, you know, just like moments where I can say, or where I can sort of daydream about that. But then the other part of me is like, once I actually think through it, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if immortality is like, uh, or some form of immortality is a uh, really the best case scenario. Um, so, what was the question? What do I think is going to happen after death? Well, well, yeah. I mean, what do you hope? But I'm, but, but how you get to this level of certainty? But I'm also curious because you say th- there is there's an implication in what you said that the fact that the fear exists is because you believe it to be true. But that's not a definite relationship with fear. Fear is often based on things that aren't true. The fact that I oh no, I'm speaking I'm speaking personally. So oh, for sure, for, for sure. Okay. All right. So I'm not, I'm not um I think I think part of what I dread is what seems to me inevitable. Right. And so right. I think the inevitability um maybe I was conscious of it sort of first perhaps like I think I I do think I like had a moment uh I think I had a moment where I like came to awareness of death I think it was young uh-huh. uh I think I was I think it was in Germany I'm not kidding wow, I was a kid okay. I'm not yeah I was a kid it was in Germany uh and I had some nightmares that my my dad had gone there to give a talk and he took he took my mom and he took my brother and me and I think I had like a had some kind of had my first like not my first uh nightmares but um but some of my more vivid nightmares uh uh of my father dying and um and I think uh so I, I think like I think the inevitability of it uh is something like I intuit it doesn't mean that it's sure it doesn't mean that it's true uh, not that death is inevitable, but that there's like nothing after. Yeah. Um, but that's something I must have, I must have 
I must have uh, uh, caught on to or felt uh, uh, very, very strongly. And uh, and then well, I and think religiously, Judaism doesn't give you a lot in that way, right? Am I right in thinking that? You're you're right. I have okay. no like. It's I actually find it uh, uh, fairly opaque myself, right? Like I yeah. I don't I I think uh, it's just it's not the focal point. It's really the the focal point of uh, uh, like the idea of like the world to come or Alamaba is 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 not the focal point. I think other religions do structure themselves yeah more. And there's a beauty and a real like something to um, praise about not making something else the about making here the focal point. I think that's I agree. Yeah. Um, but it all but it also makes sense that you wouldn't you know, I I don't have the same conception of an afterlife, if anything, that I did as a kid, but I certainly got a lot of practice uh thinking through like, hey, streets of gold, streets of gold, streets of gold, houses made of pearls and seated at the right hand of the, you know, on the clouds and the blah blah blah, and we'll see our loved, you know, and and it's like so ingrained you just have these grooves that play the hits of oh okay i can i can go there but if you're not even in the same pressing plant you don't have that shit available yeah i think that makes sense um i think that makes sense and i think that um you know it's just it's it yes it wasn't a focal point in like my religious upbringing or like the, my, like my schooling. Right. And then at home, you know, like we, I, you know, we, <laughs> it's, you know, we, we talk about like the Holocaust. Yeah. From a very young age, this was like, it was, it was more about past. And of course that trauma has nothing to do with death. Right. But like, it was more about past trauma um, than, you know, than anything that like that just like even the idea of like how do we navigate the world, how do we act in the world? Um, it wasn't about like this future set of incentives um ever. Um maybe something about redeeming the past mm-hmm. um a little bit more, um, but uh um or surviving and then redeeming the past. But right. um but so I think uh I think that, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of happy at least to a certain extent about some of it because I, I have a hard time with like, I don't know how I'm going to talk to my daughter one day about this. I'm actually like, this is, this is probably one of the things I'm most dreading. Um, but, um, I'm kind of happy. I didn't have like this feel about like someone looking down on you from like heaven or whatever. Like I, you know, I, I, um, I don't know. I could see how it would be really comforting, but then I could also see how there would be like a, a big moment of rupture where like I probably would have still been a child or something or like an adolescent kind of realizing like that's uh that's just not true and then having to or at least intuiting that just knowing yeah, myself. Yeah, totally. So totally. but like but maybe if I but maybe you're right though. Maybe if I were raised within a different within a different uh context, within you know with different parents, with different um cultural and religious traditions, maybe I wouldn't it wouldn't have been Maybe I wouldn't intuit it in the same way. So I don't know. That's impossible to say. But uh, yeah, this, this like, yeah, I, I, I've never thought about a literal heaven. 
Well, the Holocaust is really to say that we like talked about the Holocaust and not death is like really funny, obviously. But the way in which it makes sense is that this thing happened as a result of like human evil so clearly, you know, and like, and, and how, how do we like historically prevent these conditions from happening again? It makes sense in a religion, in a religious tradition where the focus is on the here and now. When I, when I, when we would talk about, um, you know, the persecution of the fucking early Christians for their faith, the focus was very much on the bravery of these men who, and sometimes, you know, very rarely women who stood up for their beliefs and, 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 and it was always about the ideas, always about like the purity of the belief and, and the fact that they could die smiling because they knew that something would come after. So it's just like, it, who the it, hell dies yeah. smiling? Yeah. Sorry. No. So, I mean, it seems like a tight way. I can imagine doing it. I can imagine like a handful of ways, but none of them have to do with like being immolated for my faith. But yeah, that's this fine. is, this is a new, yeah. Not for that reason, for sure. Yeah. I, th- it seems like a smug smile. It seems like a fake is like a very performative smile in that situation. Yeah, yes. Right. Like Joan of Arc, like, for, no, I, but yeah. I do, <laughs> but I do, um, I do want to say, I guess I should quite, yeah, we talked about the Holocaust, not about the afterlife. So death was everywhere. No, no, no. I know. I know. I'm simp- I'm I was intentionally like simplifying to death a little bit, but I get you. Just making sure I didn't sound totally. absolutely out of my mind. Um, but uh, but yes, sorry. Okay, well, two things nor- man, I I am just stuck into this. So what and speaking of smiling, this is a thing that I randomly discovered yesterday. Uh uh I've Ever since visiting there on a solo trip, I've become kind of obsessed with Lithuania. And there's a Lithuanian guy who invented a euthanasia roller coaster. And it is a giant, like, uh, hill. Like, it's it's one giant drop followed by seven or eight loops. And so the idea is that the G-forces kill you by the end of the roller coaster. And it's it's made its way into literature and film in all these different ways. So that so when we talk about dying smiling, that's the thing I think of is the euthanasia roller coaster. I never took physics, but I believed that's the thing. Sorry, like I believe it's sure, possible. Totally. Yeah. But also, yeah. like, yeah, I guess if yeah, because I was sort of thinking like, okay, well, when do you get the morphine or whatever? Like, when does that happen? But I guess, yeah, you right. don't need um, yeah, I guess, you know, that's a great even metaphor for it right because like if you don't if you don't like roller i mean like our roller coasters are fine like i wouldn't mind a roller yeah. coaster i don't know if i'd want to be roller coaster to death in a happy way um, yeah, yeah, yeah. but i think like i think like uh i think like that's a good that's that's like beautiful in in some ways it's it's a very it's a very dark beauty yes assuming you choose it like yes, assuming it's an yes, expression of, of human, like assuming you're not yes. put on the roller coaster you know what yes, I mean? yes, I, I think yes, as a yes. as a as a euthanasia option i think um no mm-hmm. i think it's, you know, i actually i you know so maybe dark 
I don't know. Everything I think about, I think is sort of dark. I think, um, I think it is beautiful. Like I think, uh, uh, yeah, I think people making the choices that they want, you know, as an expression of agency, doing what they want on their terms when it comes to this monumental question um, and doing it in a way that like, I don't know that there's some, there's some like element of joy, even in that darkness. So I just, I don't know. I didn't, yeah, I, I've never heard of that. I think that's like. So the other, the the deeper thing I wanted to ask you about is your take, uh, especially with Holocaust stuff on Victor Frankl, man's search for meaning stuff. Are you, do, what's your overlap there? Do you fuck with any of that? Yeah, um, I, I do. Um, I did. Um, I, uh, you know, I actually just even would go back to um, something you said a second ago um, before the roller like death yeah, coaster, yeah. Like death coaster. Um, I think uh, um, uh, what you said about you know the way in which the Holocaust like informs um, even just like the um, the like and this is there's like a collective version of this right the the Jewish um, uh, political uh like yeah. uh, uh imaginary or the jewish you know the, uh you know i think that there's a way in which it's worked uh, there's very problematic um versions of this in that like you know it, in many ways like i think it created a uh it's it's so ingrained it's so ingrained in the psyche in the collective psyche it so haunts the jewish psyche that um that no matter you know th- there's always a, f- a feeling of existential threat and a justification of violence um or uh uh yeah i mean violence and a, a a way in which um a way in which it doesn't allow um it doesn't allow for example jews in israel some jews in israel to uh to reckon with their own power, um, or relatively new, right? Historically speaking, very mm-hmm. new. Mm-hmm. But um, but 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 is always going to uh, um, motivate, I think, problematic forms of violence, um, uh, and and also uh, in a like in a sort of a way that people read as like, you know, ethically acceptable or morally righteous um uh just that like you know to prevent another holocaust to to not you know never again but the question really is never again is it never again never again for whom right and my my problem is that first of all history doesn't repeat itself in exactly literal terms right and so it's already not never again there's already there are already other Holocaust. There are already other, you know, not that, not necessarily to that magnitude, but but genocides, things like that, um, going on is one thing. And the second thing is that, like, you know, I, you know, my when I think about my own family, when I think about like my grandmother survived Auschwitz, um, my grandfather jumped off a train and joined the partisans um, in Poland. Um, just tremendous I mean just tremendous loss in my family and I don't know if 
sometimes I think like, who knows, they might be horrified by, if they live to see it, they might be horrified by my politics. But I think in my mind, this is how I honor them. Um, I think, I think beyond, I think beyond my own people. Like, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that the survival of my people, for example, is worth the dehumanization of, of other groups of people. And so when you said, you know, when you said that that informs, or what you said earlier, I just, I wanted to say absolutely, um, it's part of, it's part of, it's always, it's part of me and it's part of, it's part of how I think about, um, I think about what other people deserve and, and how other people should be treated and how my people, you know, insofar as they would even accept a relationship with me, um, should treat other human beings, especially ones over whom uh, we have power. I want to ask you about, um, I, 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 I want to ask you the coma question right now. Um, you know enough about my shit to know that I survived this coma and, and that when I ask you, what's your coma, what I mean is a moment of transformation before which you were one version of yourself and after you were another. Does not have to be grandiose, can be super mundane, doesn't have to be positive, but what's your coma? Having a child. No question. Okay. Giving birth. Giving birth. Um, I, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I've had a few maybe trans- transformative moments and I, you know, I don't know. I just, I, uh, I think, yeah, I think it's, it's changed me, um, for the absolute better in, um, in a number of ways, but I would just say that like, before I, um, before I had, a ch- I didn't know, I didn't think I necessarily wanted kids. I was very on the fence about having kids. I was on the fence about everything to do with like, like marriage and family. Um, I got married at 31. I knew I didn't want to, like I was working on my PhD and I knew I, if that was not never going to be something I was going to do during the PhD. And so I finished that at 33. And then I was very like, I, I was still, I was very on the fence. Um, my partner, uh, talked about fatherhood and about children in a way that like made me think like, yeah, this is somebody, if I'm going to do this, this is somebody who's making it sound good. This is somebody with my want mm-hmm. to do this. This is somebody who's making it sound meaningful. And this is also somebody who didn't pressure me either way. And I think if he had, uh, yeah, I think if he had, um, it wouldn't have gone, it wouldn't have gone well. Um, and so uh, so he happened to be really both reasonable, but also, you know, this is what, you know, this is, he happened to want what he wanted and it worked out, um, with what I wanted and what I was feeling. And, uh, um, when I found out I was pregnant, it was my 34th birthday. And I remember, yeah, I remember, and I just had a party, uh, the night before and I had drinks and I, well, I freaked out for many reasons. Right. Um, and I looked it up and I saw that like everyone on the internet had the same question where they were like, mm-hmm. eh, did I just do, did I just like, you know, am I gonna, am I gonna fetal, fetal yeah. alcohol? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and they were like, no, you're fine. Just come down. 
um, which was good. Um, but, uh, but I also started freaking out in a negative way. And I, and I remember thinking like, my life is over. I, you know, have some tension with my own mother. I'm going to become my mother. I'm not going to have an identity anymore. I'm, this is, this is like the end of something, not the beginning of another thing. Um, and, uh, and I remember calling Kat, um, I was like wandering through some terrible mall in San Diego and calling Kat and just being like, what am I doing? And she, you know, and, and I think she was trying to calm me down and, uh, yeah, I think the whole pregnancy, I like it, like it, it pregnancy was hard and, and I was still feeling like, I don't know. And then I got excited about it a little bit, um, or at least you know, I wasn't like, I wasn't like upset about it the entire time. I think yeah, when I found out yeah. it was, yeah, like I, 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 I was on the fence. I wasn't like anti, right. Um, otherwise I would have had an abortion, but, uh, um, but like the moment it, it was very, very weird. The moment I, I gave birth, I was terrified of giving birth, terrified. Mm. Like I grew up terrified. Like I just, people would also share their birth stories with me. Like I didn't ask for it. Just like people tell me stuff. People will like just I don't know what is it what is this about me that like people will just do they want to upset me like what is this? when you were pregnant or your whole life no, they told you both this. when I was pregnant and my whole life they would just be like oh. yeah I had this really when I was pregnant I think or I don't even remember now if I was pregnant or not this I think an Uber driver was just sharing like an absolutely horrific story uh, <laughs> yes, going okay. to the ER a couple times bathtubs things that were I just I don't know what she was just like you know so just this so you know okay cool. um, <laughs> right. I I was terrified and I have to say like yeah I don't know it was okay it really wasn't mm. I think because I was so expecting the absolute worst and I was so like is this the right decision um as soon as as soon as I uh and I also just did not like being pregnant. Um, as soon as I gave birth, um, the moment my baby was put on top of me, like I just, I, and it was, I get that it was like oxytocin, like, you know, right. like sure. I, I get that, you know, it was, there's plenty of chemical reasons for this, but like, I just, it was a revelation. It was probably the only moment I had like a revelation like this, where it just, it was just, it was just fucking magic. What was, what was revealed? I think I'm going to get like emotion. I think what was revealed is that like, I don't know. I have like a cynical atheist hardened shell. Sometimes it feels like, and, uh, and I didn't necessarily think I had the capacity for the prize or even the capacity for like, I don't know. I was wondering like, I don't, you know, I don't want to get into specifics, but I was just wondering if there's like this legacy of sort of, if I've inherited this sort of, if I'm not maternal, right? Like what, what if I'm just like, you know, what if I'm just cold? Like when people would talk about, like when you're pregnant, they would talk about like <laughs> this, uh, a family friend or someone who became a family friend. Um, I volunteered with her mother. She, she became a family friend and, uh, uh she was my mother's age. And she said to me, she was a, an OB, she did an OBGYN and she would say to me like, well, are you connecting with are you connecting with the baby the, the baby i'd be like what the fuck are you talking about she's like right, yeah no no right. do you feel a connection you know and i'm just like i i don't do like and i didn't and i didn't want anyone touching me and i didn't want you know i didn't i didn't like any of that any of that conversation about like a, a spiritual um spiritual stuff i was just sort of like actually i'm just like 
uncomfortable all the time. And (laughs) I mean, I appreciate that you think I'm glowing or whatever, but I'm pretty sure that's a received idea that you say to all pregnant women, because (laughs) like, like I am not that cute right now. You know what I mean? And, uh, basically I, uh, I think, think from the moment I gave birth, I was just floored. I was, I had so much love. Uh, I was just like a sappy, I, I don't know. It made me, it made me think that, uh, I can surprise myself that life can surprise me in the best possible way that I don't know it all, that I haven't seen it all, that I have no idea even how meaningful things can be until they happen. And yeah, I don't know. I just feel less cynical. I feel less cynical now about, about lots of things. I mean, I, yeah. And it's one thing to say less cynical, but I'm glad you returned to the capacity for surprise thing that you said, because I think that, I mean, I connect that to so many things. I connect that to my own political awakening is like, you you know, and when I talk to friends about the, the idea of building a future that looks different than the one that we want. I mean, that's one of the reasons that I create anything. That's one of the reasons that I have hope for the future is because I feel it's like a responsibility and because I, it in my best moments, am humble enough to be like, well, maybe it could be different. And that's like, that opens up so much space in your mind when you give that just a crack. And so it really, so, so that really is a revolutionary um, I, I mean, I understand the ways in which it, it applying to a relationship between a being that you've grown in your body can be an you know even more powerful version of that. But it but it really is. It sounds like something that can remake the world when you open yourself up to that level of curiosity. I agree. I agree. No, I think what you've said is. Uh is really moving. And I think that, uh, I think that it doesn't, you said it doesn't necessarily, um, come about the same way or through the same means to everyone. And I can see how, you know, I can see how other, other experiences might, might register in similar ways. Um, uh, I, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I think it, I think it was like, it was a kind of revolutionary moment for me because it was also it was something that I thought of as also distinctly like, like anti-revolutionary. It was something that I thought of as sort of like, mm. oh, am I just gonna, am I just gonna go with this like tradition? Am I just gonna sort of um, seal my fate? You know, it just it it, you know. And I I like look, I like I like I like kids. I I wouldn't say I like loved kids yeah. until I had, but I like so it wasn't coming from there. I think it was just I think you know there there are ways in which um, there are ways in which uh like sort of everything from from gender roles to my own like familial background and and relationships um uh I, I was sort of all of all of that sort of pushed me kind of to be on the fence or to be a, against it I think 
um, or to have at least misgivings. Um, in addition to some of the politics and some of the questions of like, you know, how am I going to explain X to my kid? How am I going to like raise mm-hmm. a kid in this world? All of that, right. you know, all of the stuff that like people should be asking themselves. Um, and that I continue to, you know, we do it in the yeah. Way. yeah. We're still asking yeah. ourselves this, but, um, but, uh, I am like, there's no doubt in my mind that it was the best decision I have ever made in my life. And it's very, very hard. And, uh, and I don't know if I, you know, I, I, I live apart from my partner. Um, and we've been living apart since I, uh, uh, since, since Ruby was like mm, five months or so. And I started this professorship. Pete started a professorship at UNC Chapel Hill. And, uh, so I'm like single, you know, I've been single, you know, that's also why I'm like half, also what like I don't know hopefully I haven't repeated myself already or whatever like I'm sort of a little uh frazzled as some of my teaching evaluations point out kindly um (laughs) I'm not kidding I'm not kidding I'm just like oh that's neat um yeah it's sort of like if you had any idea like my kid is like especially like feral and that probably has to do with the fact that it's just me and she knows but it's, it's not just like he he comes like every other week and uh and it's very hard on him too and it's uh in any event, um, it's been all like three and a half years of this. And, uh, wow. and so, um, I think that's, I think knowing how hard it is, hasn't, hasn't changed anything. Like I still, still the best thing ever. Let me ask you to relive one memory. The premise is that in the afterlife, you get to fully drop down into and relive uh, a single memory. So you have to choose one, but you're not stuck there. It's just like a room you can pop into and out of whenever you want. But you have to choose one. What memory do you choose? I remember... God, now I'm like... Now I have like lots of moments popping into my mind. But I'll just I'll just say what it came to mind first is... um. Uh, I remember, I think it was after I graduated from college, um, I did a little bit of traveling over that summer. And uh, one of the most beautiful places that I got to visit was Croatia. And I think, mm-hmm. um, I remember the the descent into Dubrovnik, I think it was, where it was just this like startlingly beautiful combination of like, of like sort of mountainous areas and, and water. Right. And, uh, mm. and it was, and it wasn't, you know, sometimes I would get, get my head into like a space where I'd be like terrified of, of like that sort of thing, but, uh, it was absolutely gorgeous. And I was already like, I, I know I'm going to fall in love with this place. I don't want to leave, you know? Um, so wait, this is on the plane. Yeah. Yeah. This is in when, yeah. And this, yeah. so this is before, and you've never been to Croatia before. I'd never been, I don't, and I've only still only been once and I want to return, but it was, um, it was, I still remember it. That was like one of the things I remember more even than it was just gorgeous. And I was, I was just happy to, I think maybe it was the capacity for surprise thing that we were talking about. Right. Where like, I wasn't Mm -hmm. expecting it. I had just also to be fair to tie in another theme. I had just come from visiting Poland um, and uh, including, you know, including like, I'm sorry, this is just always, yeah. yeah, it's always there. Um, and so I don't know, it wasn't just like, it was like a relief and it was also just one of the most beautiful places on earth that I'd seen. So, 
Um, I think, yeah, and you I think knew the, you were going to love it. Oh, I knew. And I was right. I did. You were. That's so wild. Like that, that feeling is so to, to from the air, like not that many places look, I mean, I can picture what you're saying, but from above, a lot of places look like a lot of other places. We were, we were, you know, we were, we were uh, landing. So it was like, it was from above, but it was like starting to, so, you know, as we mm-hmm. started to get closer, it wasn't like exactly on the ground, but it was still, it was still from above, but it wasn't yeah. like, yeah. So just to be I clear, I was, yeah. I'm not like a total freak, but like, yeah, it was uh, like, I could, I could actually experience a little bit of it. Um, yeah. Uh, but uh, yeah, I knew I was going to love it. I think that's right. I think that was, that's a, that's a weird feeling for like someone who's often accused of like being a hater. So uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I No, I loved it. Yeah. Is the, I mean, here's the thing about being a hater. They say that you can't experience, you can't love a good day without having bad days. How can you really love something if you're not a fucking hater, man? Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Agree. From one, Agreed. one to another. But my, okay. So, so in your love for a place is, is a, a beauty in the visual field. Is that really important? Or was could you also sense like oh culturally this is going to be this specific way? Do you know what I mean? I think that one, that one was shaped by I think a kind of unexpected beauty, um, and also maybe in contrast to something that had just been just been as tremendously ugly as I'd expected. Um, but meaning the the place before, um, oh. but yeah. Um, (laughs) that's the one. Um, but I think, uh, um, but I think in general, no, I don't think in general, it has to be a beautiful place because I think, um, depends like you could, I, I don't know. There are places I love because of the people who were there with me when, you know, I experienced them. Right. So, um, or just even like, there can be something like imprinted in this like poetic memory that's uh it could be ugly and just yeah do you think now that your memory of descending into croatia is colored by your actual time in croatia no really i really don't wow what was it that you loved other than the natural beauty of the place there i mean i think that i think that uh uh I think that uh, uh, the history of the place and the way that it's um, the way that's sort of uh, in, imprinted in, or uh, the you know, I don't know <laughs> architecture, the 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 yeah. the yeah, um, is one. But uh, I think you know, I'm trying to remember. I'm trying to remember what what I did. Um, you know, it did a lot of like walking in these like these like huge cobblestone side streets. Um, uh, there was a kind of, there's a kind of romance to that. Um, you know, there was, uh, uh, I'm trying to remember what else, what else. This is like over how many years ago now? It's like 16 years ago. Um, there sure. was, there was really good food. Um, what did I, I don't, I don't remember if I, what's the, the whole place was like, the whole place was like a world heritage Mm, like I don't, yeah. I don't know if yeah, there was yeah, yeah. like a if there was like a one particular spot that we, we took like a day trip to Montenegro, I think. But you know, it was also it was also reminiscent of like it's also like 
um, you know, the, the, it looked sort of similar. Um, the food was like, the food was seafood. Um, Oh, okay. uh, Okay. So, uh, yeah, so it was pretty good. Yeah. I, um, Spain had the best food, honestly, but, um, but anyway, um, I think, yeah, it was, it was a long trip. Um, but I think, uh, uh, I don't know. Yeah. It was weird. It was just like the first thing that popped in my mind. I don't, I don't know. I don't know why. Um, it's been, I I do want to return and I think see more of it and I don't have any relationship to to Croatia. Like I don't, you know, no, no family, no friends from there, like nothing, nothing like that. But I did experience it with my mother and, uh, and, uh, I want to go back. So that's saying something. So anyway. Yeah. So you were there. It was just you and your mom. Yeah, it was cool. Yeah. That's, that's my, I mean, the way you describe it, it feels very similar to my Lithuania thing. Oh yeah. Yeah. I think, I think, I think the whole town Vilnius that I was in was, is a world heritage site as well. A lot of Jews were from that. Yeah. A lot of, Oh really? yeah, 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 I know. Yeah, some of my students, I think, wrote about, one of my students wrote about it, I think, um, for uh, one of the projects um, on Jewish spaces and places. And yeah, one of the classes I was teaching, but I didn't know. It's so weird. I mean, it, the, the places, like, to me, one of the, like, most emblematic things of Vilnius and Lithuania is that there's a that tiny little square where they have a bust of Frank Zappa up on a pillar. Frank Zappa is not Lithuanian, never been to Lithuania. They're just like, we fuck with this guy's vibe. And that to me, it felt very like shaggy, punk, punky. Um, And then they also have a museum of genocide victims. That's a lot about like KGB stuff. That's like it towards, I, I saved the most harrowing part for the end and i had to speed walk out of there because i was like getting really upset i've never had an experience like that and and weirdly that's like part of the power of it too uh you know oh you said you said that for the yeah you gotta like you gotta have like a palate cleanser after that i think i mean i don't know i don't want you go hard though so maybe not. yeah yeah <laughs> I don't know. like that's I, that's like why i went to croatia because i my mom had been like <laughs> my mom had been like i will i will we have to go to Poland once in my lifetime and you have to go yeah. with me. And I was like, okay, but I'm not ending the trip on that note. Oh, totally. Well, I didn't end. I didn't, I didn't leave the museum of genocide victims and walk onto a plane back to America. I had other nice moments, um, okay. but I, I did, I didn't have, you know, other pockets of it were, were, were my Croatia, um, to to your Auschwitz for sure. <laughs> good, good, yes, yes. That's the show. Thank you for listening. Follow her. Follow Shira. Follow me. Join the Patreon. Patreon.com/slash/DaveMar. You know, it's the cost of a. Uh, a, a fancy coffee. I think my fancy coffee these days, if I'm tipping, is like is four four thirty eight or five thirty eight, maybe. So you you know five dollars a month. That's that, or uh, or fifteen bucks a month. You know what's uh, like a a sam an, an expensive sandwich, a, like a, maybe a medium expensive sandwich. Anyway, join the Patreon, and until next week, remember you are. 
a mist. Human beings, they do miracles.